Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malt House Games podcast. I am your hostess with the mostest. My name is Haley, and with us today is our special guest, Delton. That has to be the best you've done so far. Thanks. It's because I did two podcasts in one week. I have practice. I'm all warmed up, ready to go like a car engine. Vroom, vroom. I mean, I guess so, if that works out. I don't know. That's fine. Welcome, everyone. We are a <laughs> podcast about tabletop games, board games, card games, sometimes Magic the Gathering, sometimes beer, sometimes cats, and sometimes eloquent stories about turtles and other fun things. We talk about board games and beer. That's essentially the pitch for our podcast. Welcome to episode number 46. Aw, snap. We're approaching 50 very fast. We have almost been doing this for two years. Do you realize that we recorded our first episode the week after Gen Con two years ago? We did. That's crazy. Two years and like 60 Delton pounds later. Yeah, it's insane. Like just the... The fact that we've been doing this for two years, I feel like all the time I'm saying, I can't believe it's episode 33. I can't believe it's episode 34. I still can't believe it's episode 35. And then now it's episode 46, and we're like, oh my God, it's almost 50. Yeah, we've been doing good. Almost two full years of podcasting. And we have not missed a single week. We are late one time, and that's because my grandma was in the hospital, so I don't feel like that time counts. And not only was she in the hospital, but... Not only to the hospital, not only were we late, but it was just the same day. So it's not like our Monday morning listeners missed anything. And See, we didn't care about Grandma that much. That's, that's we got fine. the podcast it's, out that day. The it's podcast fine. is what matters the I most. I got two grandmas. I got backup. <laughs> it's good. Actually, I got three. I got two backups. <laughs> well, you know, we do what we have to do for you, listeners. You are the important factor here because without you, this podcast would just be us rambling into the darkness and just hoping hoping to come across some poor soul to listen. That's basically what we are. That's essentially it. I mean, it's pretty dark in here because you won't let me have the light on because our 1985 lighting structures produce too much heat for you to be able to stand it. You basically get a sunburn every time a light bulb turns on and he makes me record in the dark. That's essentially it. I keep the desk light on and I turn the ceiling fan off because A, the noise, but I also turn the ceiling fan's lights off because they're just CFLs and they're very bright. And they produce heat, and it gets hot enough in here with no airflow. And I've got headphones on. I'm talking. We're drinking beer. We're talking with our hands. Talking with our hands. I've already started. It's just going to get worse. (laughs) I'm just going to end up karate chopping something by accident and breaking it, spilling a beer on the rug again. Have one of those boop. One of those like, "Uh, excuse me, we'll be right back. And then it just plays that music that I have. Technical difficulties. Yeah, technical difficulties. There you go. Delton spilt another beer on the rug. I always spill my beer. Party foul. Super party foul. So, Delty Poo, what's been going on this last week? So, I am back from Gen Con 2019 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Guess who's back? Back again. I went to Gen Con, sadly without Haley, but positively, I guess negatively without Haley, sadly, happily, happily went to Gen Con and volunteered with the Tuesday Night Games people. So it was me and Alan and Sean and Elijah and Don and Jennifer. And we all shared one giant room and worked the booth and had a fantastic time. I'll have to say this was by far my favorite Gen Con, I think. 
it was my favorite Gen Con for uh, several reasons. First of all, I got to room with a bunch of awesome people, so we had fun conversations late into the night. Hilarity ensued, and it was just great camaraderie the whole time. We got to work the booth, which is amazing because Gen Con is a very, very big event with a lot of people, and I always had a home base at the Tuesday night games booth. Also, shout out to Andrew. Hi, Andrew. So, Andrew started sending me pictures, little candid shots of Delton throughout Gen Con, one where he was sexily showing his leg and talking with his hands, as always, on the Tuesday Night Games podcast, one where I don't really know what he was doing, but his eyes looked crossed, his brows were furrowed, (laughs) and his mouth was open to look kind of like a whale breaching for air. So I posed for that one because every normal candid shot he kept trying to take were actually like somewhat decent. And so I had asked people to send me these random candid shots, and Andrew... He really came through. I got a solid three shots. I have saved them. They made my heart warm and glad. Yes. So thank you, Andrew. And please, if you all are ever at a con and I'm not there, whoever can take the best candid shot of Delton. So best is a very loose term. So it can mean the snazziest. It can mean the most handsome. It can also mean the most ridiculous. Because Delton does talk with his hands a lot, as we say. And we get some pretty awesome shots, as evidenced by some that Andrew sent me. At least you weren't there and he did not film the color share dance when I was playing Two Rooms and a Boom. Oh, no. I showed you that dance. Oh, yeah. But I'm glad he did not film that and put that on Twitter because it was pretty great. But this is what made this Gen Con so amazing. I had a great time. I bought the perfect amount of games I wanted to see. If you want to see the games I bought on the social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games, or you can go onto YouTube and I have a video of Haley's first impressions of my Gen Con haul. So either one of those, and you can see exactly what I brought home. Why does everybody keep calling me sassy in that video? Because you're sassy in that video, <laughs> and it's great. Who else said I was sassy? Uh, David said you were sassy. Yeah, Somebody else commented that you were sassy. Yeah. I mean, it's accurate, man. I don't know why I said why, because it is accurate. It's super accurate. Yeah. So for the Gen Con rundown, I'll run through this real quick before we move on into the full podcast, okay? All right, let's do it. So quit m- m- uh, mimicking my hand motions. Get out of here. She's mimicking my hand motions. So I hopped on a plane and went to Gen Con to Indianapolis. As I talked about last episode, my plane ride was ridiculous, going to St. Louis, then Atlanta, then Indianapolis. I brushed my teeth in the Indianapolis airport because I was there so late. I did not want to wake up the Tuesday night crew when I came into the room. However, as I enter the Tuesday night games room of volunteers, I knock over my giant ass suitcase, waking everyone and then cussing as silently, but also as loudly as I possibly could. Oh, damn it. Yeah, I was basically whisper cussing like, God damn it, son of a bitch, and just mad at myself. Anyway, that was 2 a.m. I get in the hotel room. The next day, we set up the booth for the con, and we're off. Working at a booth is definitely one of the things I recommend for Gen Con. You get a time to stop being overwhelmed by looking at everything. You actually get away from some of the crowd. Because you're in the booth, you're demoing games. You're focused on, at most, for me, it was World Championship Russian Roulette. I was demoing pretty much the whole time. I was, at most, focused on five other individuals. That made it so much easier to have a mental break and a social break, for the most part, from the con. It was also just a lot of fun working with the people I worked with. Everyone had a great time. I felt like we really all got to bond some. I feel like we be- I became better friends with Elijah and made friends with Don and Jennifer. It was a great time. 
I also got to see Andrew and Trey and Bonnie, which was awesome to hang out with them and play. I got to see Gates and meet Brad, her boyfriend. I got to see DC, and I got to meet his friend and his girlfriend and two other friends of his, and I'm forgetting names because there's so many people. I saw Tyler with Portal Games, got to meet his friend who was demoing with him. I saw Nikki Schultz at Plat Hat. I saw all these people that I could connect with. I got to see Michael several times from Hub Games. By the way, check out Mega City Oceania. Oh my goodness, that game looks great on the table, and they sold out what they took to Gen Con, which is huge. I gave him a bowl koozie and gave the bowl koozie. You did, and I did deliver those. Thanks. I delivered those on time. But got to see a ton of people. I always had somebody around the corner to talk to. That really made Gen Con nice for me because I knew them. Jonathan was there from here in Oklahoma, Red Hand Roleplay. And Ben was there. And Ben was there, even though I barely got to see Ben because he was so busy with running Blood Feud. Which but is a good thing. It was popular. Very good. Apparently, he's had great feedback, which is fantastic. All of the B-team crew, Will and Logan and Greg, got to see them. SBJ was there at one point. So I got to see all kinds of people, and I'm probably going to forget people, and that's going to be okay. Plus, shout out to Alan and Sean for letting you work for them. Definitely shout out for them. Check out the Tuesday night podcast from the Gen Con episode at PlayTKG on Twitter. I am on the episode because I am a knight on their podcast, and so you can hear a little bit from me basically telling you the story of brushing my teeth and knocking over my suitcase. But... It was a great episode. Mothership won gold in the innies for best game of last year, which is fantastic. And the module Dead Planet won silver for best adventure. So huge, huge awards. Congrats again, Sean and the Tuesday Night crew. That's a big deal. Yeah, I'm really happy for them. So that's my big Gen Con spiel. Best Gen Con I've been to yet. I'm excited for Haley to go with me next year. Hopefully she will want to volunteer somewhere. I would love to. I think if you want to go to Gen Con, you want to try to save a little money, but also make good friends, good connections, and give yourself a break from the ridiculous hustle and bustle, volunteering is a way to go. It not only helps these companies out, but it gives you basically friends, a safe place to go back to, a home base to check in at, and it's just a nice experience. I really loved everything, and a big shout out again to Gates and Brad for letting me crash on their pull-out couch before my flight. So volunteering for a board game company sounds a lot like you're joining a sorority for the weekend. It kind of does. I mean, you all just hang out together and do random stuff. You have allegiance to one particular community. Yep. You all stay in the same house. Yep. You all live by college age standards. Totally. And basically you're friends by association, which is not a bad Uh, thing. Yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah. So you're part of a sorority. Congratulations. The TKG sorority. It gives you some letters for the back of your car. I mean, I have a shirt now, so I can represent on the go. Just wear that shirt with some leggings as pants, (laughs) and man, you're ready to go, ready to roll. Exactly. So I am going to do our Patreon shout-outs now because I feel like I'm shouting everybody out. I'm going to get this all out of the way in the beginning. Thank you, Alan, for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you, Allison, for supporting us on Patreon. Also, thank you to Jesse and Catherine for supporting us. And a big thank you to Tyler as well. I'm also going to shout out someone who is not on the level of being shout out, but that is Cliff. I got to meet Cliff. He is a Patreon backer of ours. I got to meet him. He was demoing with Pandasaurus, and he came by the booth on his break with a friend of his, and they were very nice. It was awesome to connect and be able to chat. Sadly, I did not see him again when I went by Pandasaurus later, maybe the next day, but uh, I didn't get to see him again. Hopefully, I will see him either at BGGCon or... Gen Con next year, or if we end up doing Origins, something like that. Yeah, I'd like to meet him. 
So that was awesome being able to see a fan and a patron and have a first time meeting. That was just, it was fun. It was nice. It was kind of rewarding for me, not going to lie, but absolutely great time. So thank you to everyone that made this Gen Con the best Gen Con yet. Now with that ridiculousness of talking as fast as I possibly can out of the way, what have you had going on while I was gone? I slept. Yay. And then I took another nap. Yeah. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> I stayed up till like 1, 2, 3 a.m. every night and only got at most like six hours. Well, that was only day one. So day two, I slept in. Great. And I took a nap. Great. And Allison came over and I took a nap. Great. And I slept. Ugh. But yesterday, I actually got to be on another podcast. Ooh, a podcast. It was the Lost Ogle podcast. Boom. So the Lost Ogle show is a new podcast for all ye Oklahomans and I guess other people around. Anybody who wants to listen, really, wants to listen or read. I mean, it's based out of here in Oklahoma. We talk about a lot of Oklahoma issues. But yesterday we tackled the topic of guns, psychology, and video games. Dun, dun. So dun, I got dun. to talk about that. I got to get on my soapbox and old man rant for a little bit because I'm good at that. And shout out to Patrick. Thank you, Patrick and Marissa, for inviting me on. And we also got to hang out with Corbin, who has Stormbrew Games. He's part of the owners of Stormbrew uh, Shop up here in Edmond, which is a Magic the Gathering Warhammer-type shop, which is pretty awesome. We all got to hang out and chat uh, and also drink some Anthem Brew like we're about to do. We will get to the Anthem here in a little bit. We have one before that. But Anthem is Jumping part of this show. Jumping the gun. Jumping it. Anything else you had going on in your life? Um, I don't think so. Preparing for a conference next month. I'm going to go to North Carolina to speak at the Recovering from Religion Retreat. So I'm kind of excited about that. Woo. And that's about all. Well, there you go. So Haley has had some excitement as well. It wasn't all just me at Gen Con. I had naps. She also had a lot more sleep than I did. And I'm jealous of that fact. I, I don't know if it's just I don't have anything else to do. Whenever you're gone, I take a lot of naps. I think that's it. You just get bored with the cats because all they can do is, you know, sit there. All they do is nap. They, like, come and lay on your belly, and you're like, yeah. okay, third nap of the day. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with this. It's so nice. I've been home enough times without you that I know that's the case. That is exactly true. It's like you get up to try and do something productive, and Steve's like, I'm going to make biscuits on your belly real quick. And you're like, <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Then he lays down and goes, and you're like, oh, damn, yep. I'm stuck. Yep, and then you're just stuck there for however long he wants to lay down. That's exactly right. Well, if that's all we've had going on in our lives recently, then let's get onto this game and move this podcast along. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. So before we get into the game, we are going to crack our first beer. This beer is from Iron Monk Brewing Company in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It is Road Tripper IPA. This is the first entry in the Road Tripper series of IPAs. Like cool discoveries on any great road trip, we hope you'll enjoy discovering each special release in this fun, hoppy series. This is an India Pale Ale. It comes in at 6.5%. I like beer, and I like trucks, and I like cats. And I like ducks. You like my song? No, that might be a terrible country song I just sang, but there's an actual country song that goes, I like little baby ducks, old pickup trucks, tomatoes on the vine, and dan watermelon wine, dandelion wine. I can't remember. That sounds terrible. 
it was actually really good if you were born in like 1819. All right. So this smells like most any IPA. Given these beers are not that cold, I bought them this afternoon, put them in the fridge, and uh, they're almost room temp again, which I actually like a little bit warmer beer on the side. Like, I don't like warm room temp beer. I like it when it's like 50 degrees or so. I think that's the best. These are a little warmer than that. But how's the taste on this one for you? It's really good. It's got a very crisp finish with a little bit of that frothy feeling up front. It's like if most IPAs are at volume 11, this one's at volume 5. That's exactly what I was going to think. When you said volume, I was like, all right, this is like halfway. It's like a halfway IPA. It's like... It's not too hoppy, which is nice. Right. There's not very much of like a citrusy flavor you expect in an IPA. But There's it has a little. The, has the heavy bitterness. It has a heavier bitterness, yes. But it's not like, I think anybody that just drinks a pale ale or just a kind of standard, you know, lager or something would not mind this as an entryway IPA. It's an IPA with training wheels. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> IPA with training wheels. That describes the Road Tripper IPA very well. But it's good. This is a great hot day beer. It's not too robust. It's not too overly hoppy. And it's not too, uh, like, malty or sweet. It's kind of a nice middle ground. I would like a few more hops in it, I think, but still pretty good. Decent. Road Tripper. So, the game for today that we are going to be discussing is Flamme Rouge, which is being produced in the U.S. by Stronghold Games. Flamme Rouge is a two-to-four-player game about bicycle racing. Flamme Rouge, I believe, is French for red stick. Is that correct? No. No. Rouge is red. Correct. Flam, is that not stick? No. <laughs> You're thinking Baton Rouge. No, no, no. Look it up, though. I'm pretty sure. I think it means red flag. I'm pretty sure it's red stick because Baton Rouge is baton, I guess, rouge, flam. I don't know. This might be red flag. But <laughs> it is red something. While you're looking that up, Flam Rouge is a racing game where each player will take control of two racers, a sprinter and a roller. The designer of the game is Oscar Harding Granarud. The art direction is by Jiri Kasanen. The illustration is Osi Hikala. And the producers are Tony Nitimaki and Marcus Bremer. Yeah, Flam Rouge is red flag, Delton. Okay, so red flag. I was thinking Baton Rouge, which is red, red stick or red baton. Uh, <laughs> and so that makes sense. I'm just an idiot. French one-on-one with Delton Brack. Omelette du fromage. Omelette du fromage. Oui, oui. That was a pretty good, like, imitation French accent. Like, like a, the like a imitation one. crab of an imitation French, <laughs> if that's what you're going for. Yep, it's something completely it's like different. Pollock that's disguised as French, but poorly. <laughs> there you go. So as I said, Flamme Rouge is a racing game. It's actually my favorite racing game, just to let you know. The way Flamme Rouge works is everybody takes their bicyclists, their sprinter, and their roller, and you will set them up in turn order, one bicyclist at a time, until all... Eight, if you have a full four-player game, which I will assume we will at this point, all eight bicyclists are behind the start line. Then beginning with the player in the front, and the front is considered the closest to the finish line on the right lane. The board is a track, and it's in two different lanes, left and right, and they are different rectangular spaces your bicycles fit into. So the way the game's going to work is you will select the 
frontmost bicyclist, and that bicyclist will reveal their movement. So if you are the black player and your roller is in the front of the pack, then you will reveal a card you have selected, which will move that roller that many spaces forward. If you're in the left lane and the right lane is open, he scoots to the right lane, nice and simple. If somebody's blocking you, you may move through them but cannot stop on their space. You would then stop behind them, nice and easy. The way a turn is going to work is you will take your roller's deck of cards, draw four, choose one to utilize, and take the other three and put them face up on the bottom of your deck. Then you'll take your other bicyclist, draw four, choose one of them to use, take the remaining three face up on the bottom of its corresponding deck. That way you resolve the bicyclist from front to back and all your choices have already been made for you. What I like about this game is that selection process of how quickly you move. Yes, it's limited to four of your cards. However, that is more choice than a lot of other racing games I've played, which is not a ton, it's just a couple, but still. I enjoy having that choice. I enjoy that the card you use is out for the rest of the game. And I enjoy the fact that those cards you didn't use will recycle back. I love the combination between luck and strategy in every game that has it. Yes. Like, that's my favorite thing in games. I don't like games based on pure luck. I don't like games based on pure strategy. I mean, I do, but they're not as enjoyable. Because I don't like to be able to plan out every single move, like, six turns ahead. And yeah. with Flamme Rouge, you can kind of build your deck to be how you want it to be at the end of the game. For example, I take a lot of my slower cards up front so that near the end I can just book it. But you still have that ram randomization. You still have that uh, ch uh, luck, chance. I tried to say chance and luck at the same time. It came out as chuck. chuck. You still have that <laughs> chuck because you have to draw four cards to choose from. You might get a variety, but you might also get four really fast cards when you're wanting to go up a hill and you can only do like a three card. So that brings up a good point. The board is made up of just a pathway. However, once you're used to the basic map, you may have hills, which have a red upside and a blue downside. And the maps change. And the maps can change. This is a, basically it comes with pieces where you can organize it. I can't think of like variable map. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. The game comes with cards that show you how to build these maps because the pieces have letters, capital, and lowercase sides. But you can also make your own map, which I think is a lot more fun than using the ones in the box. But there are hills in this game, up and down. The thing that I really like about the hills, if you are going up a hill, let's say you play a card that says you get to bicycle seven spaces ahead, and you come to or are starting on a hill, you only move five at maximum. No matter the card you play, you can never go past five going up a hill if you started in it or have entered into it. Now... If you started on a downhill space, only started, not entered into, started on a downhill space, no matter what the value of the card you played is, it counts as a minimum of five. So if you have just a three movement, you can use it going downhill and you now move five forward. That's a very good thing. So it's fun to plan those things out. You can use your seven movement really early, then when you hit that hill, you just use your five or maybe your four. It makes sense. But on that downside, you pop that three and you're making up and that's actually giving you a big benefit. Those hills, I think the hills add some fun and add a little bit more planning to the game rather than just trying to kind of decide what values your opponents are playing. And I think the theme really fits on the game because of that. Like you're playing 
bicyclists. You're playing playing those who are are racing bicycles, kind of like the Tour de France, or probably not that fancy because I don't think this track would really be that long in real life. But you get exhausted in the game. If you push yourself too much, you get exhaustion cards, which slow you down. If you're going up a hill, you're not able to go as fast or as far. If you're going down a hill, it's easier to go faster and further. And you also have, I don't know what it's called, whenever you're like behind somebody um, and you can go fast. Drafting. 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 There's drafting in the game where the leader, if there's someone in, in the lead of a pack and other players have their bicyclists right behind them, if there is a gap between the leader and the pack behind them, the pack behind them can move up one space behind them. Yes, unless you're going uphill, that's the only time you can't draft in. But if there's a bicyclist ever just one space away from being right behind another bicyclist, you start with the back of the of the group and move forward when you're doing this, but you can move that up to where you could take four bicyclists that are all spread out with one space between each. The fourth will move right behind the third, and then that group moves right behind the second, and then that group can move right behind the first, as long as it's only one space between them. So you can actually use a card that's less than what your opponents used if you're trying to keep up and draft in behind them to stay with the group. So I really think that the theme really accentuates this game. Like, I don't think you can have this game without the theme, the theme without, I mean, you can't have the theme without the game, but you can't have the game without the theme. I think that's accurate, yeah. It's not one that's just been kind of pasted over, which there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, games can be fun no matter what theme they have. I mean, look at things like GIF. It has no theme at all, and it's still fun. Yeah. But I really think that the theme makes this game. I agree. I agree. I really like how that fits in. And since we talked about drafting, uh, Haley mentioned it, but if there's ever a bicyclist that's at the front of a group or by themselves, or leading any other groups. Basically, if there's nobody in front of that bicyclist, and they're not part of a a group of any kind, that bicyclist is going to receive an exhaustion card, which is a value 2 card, movement card. And it will be shuffled into the deck once the deck gets shuffled, once you run out of cards to choose from. Those cards suck. Playing a 2 sucks unless you're going downhill and it turns into a 5. So being at the front of the pack, sure, you're in a good place to just take off away from everyone, but you're also receiving those cards because everyone's drafting behind you, so you're getting exhausted, and they're just riding in your, uh, what is it, draft wind? Whatever wind, you know, when you're drafting in. Gale force winds. (laughs) I guess so. Uh, It's a very, very good mechanic because it makes you think, I don't want to lead this pack. I'm going to play a card that I think is less than what everyone else is playing, That way I can fall into the pack, not take these exhaustion cards, try to use them up for a couple turns, and then come out ahead toward the end when I can really push past everyone and win. It's just got a great amount of strategy that you can uh, use during the game, even though there still is, like Haley said, the randomness of the cards. I just, I love that exhaustion mechanic mixed with up and downhill and the drafting. Like you said, it meshes just so well. And it's to me, it's such a fun game. It's always tense going into the end. And it's just, I've had such a great time with it every time we've played it. And every time I play this game or every time I talk about it, all I can think about is Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games, drunk as a skunk at the Secret Cabal meetup, holding a glass of wine and talking with his hands more than Delton does. Yes, at the 2017 Gen Con, Gen Con 50. When this released. When this re- I think it was when this released, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I actually got to demo it then, which was cool. It was a giant set. 
but we went to the secret cabal meetup at Toyard Brewing before it shut down. And Stephen Bonacore had a glass of wine and was talking to everyone, and he just talks with his hands, and it was so much fun. But he kept that wine in that glass. It was a sloshing man, but yep. he's had practice. Oh, he's always a super nice guy. You see him at every show working his own booth, which very is great. Very nice. Very nice guy. Always in like a red polo with Stronghold logo. Always in the Stronghold polo. But Flam Rouge has been a great game. We like it at two players. I think it's best at four players. I do. I think having an entire group to work with really adds to the game because some of your cards you're just not going to be able to move that much because there's too many bicyclists in front of you and i think it's just very fun to play as a, a four but i also like it at two it's just it's a different game at two but i think it's good all around it's by far to me better than when we played downforce downforce was fun you're betting on the different cars you know that each card moves multiple cars but it doesn't have that same feeling of tension that this does this game, to me, captures the tension of a bicycle race, not knowing who's going to come out ahead. And I think that's part of what makes this great is you're wondering what cards are they playing? We're fixing to approach this hill. Are they going to burn their big cards, you know, and stop at the bottom of the hill? Or are they going to use something small and try to creep in? How are they going to approach it? And you're trying to figure them out while also making sure to put yourself in the best position possible. I know this is a bad word in our house, but house rule. Mm-hmm. What if we put, like, random obstacles on the course? Like, we actually put a rock in the middle of it. So this is where we need to get the Peloton expansion, because the Peloton expansion involves cobblestone, single lanes, and I think things like that that are obscurities or oh. something. that I don't know if they have those exactly, but it does have, like, cobblestone and single lanes and new track setups. Why am I not a board game designer? We just need to get that expansion. That's what it comes down uh -huh. to. Uh -huh. That's what I think or we need to do. Or get some rocks from the fish tank. I don't think that's a good idea. Ah, uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Flamme Rouge is a very fun game. We've really enjoyed it. It's a good-looking game. The models are good. Now, I do have a small complaint. The bicyclists come off of the bicycle at times. It's sometimes like they don't fit tight enough. I just super glued their hands onto the uh, handlebars. That way they stop moving. Like some sort of saw movie. It's, it's like some sort of saw movie. You can never stop pedaling. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of atrocities did they commit to have that as their, like, punishment? They kept getting off their bicycle. They're in a race. Quit uh, doing that. Uh, okay. Yep. But You are very, not a very, benevolent god. I'm not a benevolent god. <laughs> very cool game. I will highly recommend it. I think it's a great game. If you like racing games, if you think racing games are fun, I just think this one wins out. And anytime I look at another one, I think, I think I'd rather play Flamme Rouge, which is why I have never bought another racing game. <laughs> not that you haven't been tempted. Not that I haven't been tempted, not that I haven't played another racing game, but Flamme Rouge always wins out. Since Flamme Rouge is a little different in that it's actually a real sport turned into a board game, we wanted to talk about something similar. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. Now it's time for the Anthem Brew. I think I'm contractu contractually 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 obligated to say that I like Anthem, but I do like Anthem. I don't think that's true at all because you don't own the Lost Ogle. No, but they sponsor a lot of my stuff. That's very true, but that's okay. We like them. I liked them before you started working for Lost Ogle, so it's fine. So this is from Anthem Brewing. This is Rad Ombre, a Mexican-style lager with kaffir lime leaves. Comes in at 5% alcohol by volume and a small 15 IBU. 
I'm really excited to try this one because I had Penang curry, which has kaffir lime leaves in it for dinner. So I'm really stoked to see how this tastes. Well, let me read the can here before I pour it. It says, Que onda gue? I don't know Spanish, and I'm very bad at pronouncing Spanish, and I apologize. <laughs> I'm trying my best. It okay, says, now it's Spanish with Delton 101. That was Spanish with Delton 101 is, I'm sorry. You got two. I'm a failure. You got two languages by Delton this podcast episode. Yeah, if it was in German, I could at least pronounce it correctly, even though I probably wouldn't say it exactly right. Like, you know what I mean? The inflections would be wrong maybe here and there. But anyway, uh, it says that. I don't know what that means. It says, you know that one amigo that makes the best times even better? Yep, that's Rad Ombre. Rad Ombre is our take on a Mexican-style cerveza with a twist. Kaffir lime leaves are added to create the citrusy summertime flavor that we know and love. This easy drinking lager with a hint of tart lime is the perfect companion for a sunny beach day. Or if you're just dreaming about it. So what are you waiting for? Vamanos, muchachos. I got that one right. Do you know what it means? Like, come on, guys. Basically. Essentially, it's like yeah. a, everybody, let's go. Vamanos. Yeah. Oh, is it pronounced with a B? Well, it's like a soft B, Vamanos. Oh, damn it. I get that wrong all the time. Vamanos. See, I took Spanish in high school, and I didn't do well because it's high school, and nobody does well at languages in high school except for you, you weirdo. And Just because you went to Geary. Yeah. The only language is meth mouth. And I, <laughs> That's true. And I learned a little bit of German in college, but it's one of those things where, like, I'm just a dickhead American and I don't want to learn another language in terms of the detail it takes to truly learn another language and I hate that I don't love learning languages enough that I can actually be someone and that's able to say they're bilingual. We can just start like nope. playing movies Mm-mm. in German and uh-uh. stuff. Nope. Can't, can watch Babylon Berlin it. again. That's too much thinking. It's too much thinking for my little baby brain. That is fantastically light. This is the palest of pale. This is like me in beer form. Oh my God, it is. <laughs> I'm just translucent. You are the rat ombre, Delton. I will take the cloudier one because you're so picky. Thanks, honey. So let's give it a smell and see what it smells like. Oh. I can smell the limes very strongly. Like it honestly reminds me of that curry. Huh. Oh. That's interesting. It's very light except the carbonation hits on the back. And it's got that little bit of that lime citrusiness, but being that they're kaffir limes, right? it's a different type of lime flavor. It's not as tart as I would expect. It tastes like the lime you would get in a lime snow cone. Mm, it's almost peppery. Really? It's almost a peppery lime to me. Like It's not a sweet and overly tart lime. There's a tiny bit of that bitterness that like a little black pepper, I imagine, on lime would taste like. That's how I'm... It, I'm getting it that way. I don't know if I'm way off, and I might be. But I don't, I don't get that lime you're talking about. But it is amazingly light. It's a very, very light beer. It's got a high amount of carbonation, especially on the back end. Very refreshing. Yes, if this was cold. <laughs> it's like, if this was cold, it's a great summer beer. It's like what Miller Lite is supposed to be. It's like if Miller High Life yeah. actually had alcohol content. Yeah, it's that light, champagne-y fluffiness the fluffy beer and it's just enough of that little bit of a citrusiness that it's not just a plain lager that adds just enough of a twist a little bit of extra character that it kind of breaks the mold of just a standard mexican style lager right that's really good though i like it and the can design's cool i think but i like that 
A plus anthem. A plus. Anthem's still my favorite Oklahoma brewer. And so I'm just I I like most of the stuff that they do. So yeah. I do too. So for the topic today, we wanted to talk about sports themes in games because that's kind of a crossover you don't expect. Right. It's like an oxymoron. It literally is. So the most obvious is Flam Rouge. It's bicycling or cycling, however you want to look at it. By the way, why is it bicycle? But it's cycle and unicycle. Shouldn't it be bicycle and a tricycle? If it's unicycle and you're cycling, why is it a bicycle? What part of the English language has ever made sense? I don't know, but it should be a bicycle and a tricycle. It should. But there's a lot of things that should be in English that aren't. I know, but I wanted it to be called a bicycle. I mean, you can call it a bicycle. We yes. Can, the English language changes. We're going to be that change, damn it. Be the change that you want to be. Okay, Malthouse Games listeners, (laughs) do you want to make history? Do you want to change linguistics for an entire generation? It is now called bicycle. It is the bicycle and the tricycles. There's not many people with tricycles anymore. That sounds so weird to say, bicycle. Tricycle. (laughs) What if it was a unicycle? We're going to go sickling. Back to the topic. So this game is about cycling. We're going to ride an icicle. We're going to ride an icicle. Uh, <laughs> we're going back we're to the game, lost, like, seven back to listeners. the topic. It's just fine. They'll be just fine. They love us anyway. This game is about bicycle racing. Sports are usually not well represented, I feel like, in board games because there's not a huge crossover of, for the lack of better terms, jocks. I could just say sports fans, but jocks and nerds. This is like Letterkenny. This is like Letterkenny. <laughs> you got the jocks over here, and you got the... Uh, what is it, the church crowd over here, and you got the skids and the hockey players. <laughs> In Oklahoma, you have the board gamers, the meth heads, the jocks, and the Christians. Yeah, it's yeah. it's basically the same. But uh, yeah, so sports and games is not a huge thing. Farm Rouge is one. I think something about sports and board game themes, though, is it's so relatable. Even if the game is simple, like Jim. Jim is one of those little pocket gum-sized games. Even though it's super simple game and you could do most anything, since it's kids playing different sports, whether it's football, weightlifting, you know, basketball, whatever, you immediately in your head go, I know exactly what they're doing. I know what this feels like. I know how it is to be picked for a team in that game. And picked last. And picked last. Yeah. And I feel like there's something about that that even if you aren't a big sports fan, you can get into it because you've been in a similar experience. No, you may have not raced in a giant bicycle race. However, you've probably ridden a bicycle. You know what I mean? I feel like it's something that you can relate to in sports-based games, for the like, most part. Like, I never performed with the WWE, but you bet your sweet ass I did some backyard wrestling with my cousins back in the 90s. <laughs> Just, you know, power bombing each other onto cow patties and... Clothes hanging each other <laughs> on the trampoline. <laughs> it's a lariat with a real lariat. Hell yes, brother. Oh my gosh. But yeah, even Austin that... Austin 316. <laughs> even that, they have the WWE... Uh, what was it like? SmackDown, whatever game I had with or, John Cena. With, boop, 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 boop. Okay. <laughs> or I have the card game I got at the first Gen Con, that SRG Super Show, which is like a wrestling card game. Even though I've never professional wrestled, you've never professional wrestled. Hopefully, neither one of us ever do because we'll die. You don't know. I might have like a secret persona out there. I, I guess so. I do yeah. have two last names. I can go undercover pretty easily. I guess. <laughs> well, maybe. But even though we've never done it. There's something about the fact that we know about it, we've seen it, and we've done some of this on a trampoline or in a pool with friends, right? Oh, hell yeah. So there's that feeling of, I kind of know what this is like. I know what this is about. 
It's not a fantasy game about witches delivering potions. It's not about a spaceship delivering the DNA of humanity across the universe. It's about something we can relate to better. And I think there's something to be said about that being underused. However, in the board game culture, there's kind of a big push away from sports so heavily that it's almost like you have to be so niche in it. It's you like have to look of, at Flam Rouge and say, this is different enough. It's like a form of gatekeeping. Like, we want the yeah. jocks to stay out of our board game, so therefore, anything that's, that's sports-related is not welcome here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the first year at Gen Con, there was that like NFL stadium game where I think you programmed your plays and then the little people performed them. Kind of a cool idea. Not a football fan. This year, they had a card game that was playing football somehow. It's like you play these cards to play football, and yeah, they had a little like paper field that you put down. But the problem was is there was never many people at the booth, and I think that's exactly it, is we treat sports as not as good as this nerd side so badly that we're pushing off things that could be used to make good games. This isn't the real letter, Kenny, y'all. We can all play together. The meth heads can play with the board gamers. The jocks can play with the meth heads. The Christians can judge us all. We can cross over. It's fine. It's super fine. But I think that's true. It's, it's kind of a form of gatekeeping that our community has without realizing it. Obviously, in our community, for the most part, you're going to say if anyone wants to play a board game and have fun, sure, come play a board game. But if someone says, hey, let's play this football card game, are we really going to be enthused? You know what I mean? Like, right. Part of that is generally the nerdy side of somebody or somebody that's considered themselves a nerd isn't going to be a big sports fan. So that might not be a theme that they're into. However, I don't know how much I'm into, uh, you know, I'm trying to look at our board game shelf and come up with a theme that's like something I'm not huge into, like Rampage. I may not be that into kaiju and dinosaurs destroying buildings and stuff, but it doesn't mean I don't have a lot of fun playing in those. So why can't I play a sports-based game? Yeah, I'm not big into medieval, but I like the Camelot games. There you go. And it's something that I think that we can improve upon in the industry, but also I feel like there's missed opportunity there. Like there's got to be a great way for like curling to become, I guess that's basically crokinole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Crossover, see? T tabletop curling is crokinole. The jocks and the board gamers are already aligning. It's working out. But I mean, there's already, now there are games based on baseball. There's baseball highlights, 2045, I believe it's called from Eagle Griffin supposedly a great card game. I've never played it because I've never seen it. I've, I want to try it if, before I ever bought it. But it's also set in like the future where you've got like bionic arms and stuff. So it's, you know, or it's a robot baseball player. Oh, hell yeah, brother. So it's a little different, but it's kind of the same thing though. That's broken ground enough that people enjoy it even if they're not huge baseball fans. However, a baseball fan is going to think it's pretty neat. So I feel like there's more room for crossover with sports stuff I just, it's finding the right sport and the way to present it and a way to put mechanics and mechanisms around it that make it into a fun game that's not just relying solely on the fact that it is representative of that sport. Does that make sense? It does. And I think Flam Rouge is like the perfect bridge right now because it's a fun game, it has great mechanics, it's a theme that makes sense, everyone's ridden a bicycle, bicycle, and it's just, <laughs> it's a great game. So Join the revolution, kids. Exactly. So I feel like that all kind of just works out, and we could have more sports in games. I'm not opposed. I'm not either. I don't know much about sports, but yay sports. But we'll figure it out. Since Flam Rouge is all about racing, I have a few questions about how you race. 
And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special, Pint Size Question. What is your racing strategy? That is today's question. So my racing strategy in board games is basically... Board games or real life. Well, what I'm saying is my, my strategy in board games is the same one I have in real life. I start off slow at a decent pace. Like and when I play Flam Rouge, I typically don't play my twos and threes right up front. I play my like fours and fives, save like my sixes and sevens and eights for later on. And the same thing whenever I, let's say, run the half marathon. I start out at like a, like a solid six miles per hour pace. And just keep on trucking at that pace, keep on trucking. But in both scenarios, I save up all my energy for that last mile or those last turn or twos in Flam Rouge where I use all my fast power, power building, or or use all my fast cards. I use all my energy in the end of the race. I think that's pretty much my approach. However, I do have a tendency to try to get out ahead early, which means I'm going into the last turn less prepared than I should be. So I always have a plan, but I kind of let myself down. I'm going to start making you play my impulse control games I play with my, like, seven-year-old clients and program. No. <laughs> I did I did 35 <laughs> minutes of an impulse control game with a kid today, and he kept losing, he kept losing, and he was like, why do I keep losing at this? And I'm like, what was impulse control again? He goes, oh, yeah. That sounds like something I would do. Yeah. I would fail at an impulse control game. I think that's uh, pretty accurate. I think that also (laughs) wraps up this episode nicely. Thank you for tuning in and listening to episode 46 of the Malthouse Games podcast. If you would like to reach out to us on social media, we are at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. If you have any kind of question to ask us or a question you want us to answer on the episode, a topic for us to cover, or even a game you would like us to look at and talk about, you can email us, contact at malthousegames.com. You can find me personally on all social media at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. And you can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K at Squirrely Geek. So thank you again for tuning in to this episode. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.